welcome to season two of the Irish Baptist College podcast. The Irish Baptist College exists to magnify Christ, advance the gospel and strengthen the church. The college is a department of the Association of Baptist Churches in Ireland. Established in 1895, the Association of Baptist Churches in Ireland is a gospel partnership of 117 autonomous local churches who have voluntarily agreed to work together. The churches have a formal membership of 8,500 people, but represent a Baptist community of more than 20,000 people on the island. In this season of the podcast, we will be meeting some of the people who lead the different aspects of the association's work. I'm your host, Davy Ellison. I'm the Director of Training at the College, and today I'm talking with Matt Campbell, uh, who is the Director of Baptist Youth. So it's great to have you with us today, Matt. Thanks for having me on, Davy. Appreciate it. No problem. And uh, the first thing we want you to do is uh, introduce yourself um, to our listeners. So family, interests, home church, your role in the association. And uh, I always ask people to share an interesting fact. So hopefully you can come up with something there. Yes. Well, my name is Matt Campbell. I am 28 years old and originally from Ballymena. That's where I was born and bred. Uh, Just last year, moved to Bangor, got married to Annie. And we yeah, moved to Bangor. She's originally from Ard, so that's where, where we live now. So I've, I've betrayed my, my beloved Balamina and moved to the Golden Coast. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I go to Newton Breed Baptist. I'm a member there. And uh, interesting facts about me. I'm a, I'm a big Arsenal fan. That's probably not an interesting fact, but I'm a big Arsenal fan. But Well, you'll certainly get the sympathy vote. Yeah, the sympathy vote. That's probably a podcast in itself. Um, another interesting fact, I don't know if it's interesting or not, but I'm, I'm trying to learn every capital city in the world. That's that's a goal that I've set myself. And okay. one of the primary reasons is so that whenever someone asks me on a future podcast or interview, what's your interesting fact, that I'll be able to say I can name every capital city in the world. So I feel like I've conquered Europe, Davey, but I've still a bit to go. Okay, excellent. How many capitals are there? In the world? In the world that you I don't know. I don't actually know. Don't what actually what know. are you up to? Fifty. Well I've got I've got Europe covered. Got all of you. You can test me if you want if you really so, want to. So test Poland's me. capital is Warsaw. Okay. Yeah. Um, France's capital? Paris. Italy? Rome. Greece? Athens. Bulgaria? Bulgaria is Sofia. Hungary? Budapest. Excellent. I'm running out of countries in, <laughs> in Europe now, so uh, you've proved yourself. Well, I hope you've proved yourself. I have no idea if that's right. That's what so. I said. I just answered quickly and confidently there and uh, hope that you didn't ask any questions. Yeah, if, it, if, it's, <laughs> if you find an error, you can contact us at the college and we'll uh, correct that in a future podcast. Um, that's great. Thank you for sharing with us. Um, next question I want to ask you is, is just if you could share your conversion experience Um with us, one of, one of the great privileges of working in the Baptist Centre is you, you work with fellow Christians, and uh, it'd be just great if you could share your conversion experience with us, Matt. Sure. I became a Christian at a very young age, um, and when I think about my conversion experience, I kind of struggle to pinpoint a definite moment. Obviously, there was a definite moment where you know I moved from spiritual darkness to spiritual life, um, but for me, identifying when that moment was is a little bit more tricky, probably due to the fact that I grew up in a, a really good Christian home got sent to church regularly. I went to all the different activities that church offered for, for young people and for children. And so mm. I really can't remember a time really in my life where I didn't acknowledge my need for the gospel and my need for Jesus Christ to be my, my saviour. Um, I do obviously remember maybe particular moments where that was particularly, that need was particularly poignant in my mind. And after holiday Bible clubs, I remember being a young boy, you know, every night in my room, praying the so-called sinner's prayer because I wasn't sure if the last one worked. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think 
from in terms of my conversion. Obviously, there was this definite moment where I became a Christian. I was justified by faith. But in terms of what that, when that moment was exactly, um, I, yeah, I'm definitely not one of these people who has a time of date and mm. can remember the color of the wallpaper and everything and the, the surrounding <laughs> environments. But I'd say probably my conversion was maybe, in my own experience, maybe a little bit more like a Peter than a Paul. I can't remember that Damascus Road experience, but maybe a gradual warming to the gospel. And um, yeah, now I stand and and look back and can testify that you know, God's, through his grace, saved me through um, his work at the cross and, and through the good news message of the gospel. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's one of those ones that's a difficult one to answer, but a simple one to answer at the same time. Yeah, and it's really interesting and obviously a great blessing to have that upbringing. Um, I was having a conversation with someone last night and we were talking about how the most important thing is not that you have a conversion date, but mm. are you still trusting Christ today? And, yeah. and that's... So I'm, I'm sure that's an encouragement for, for those who are listening who maybe can't pinpoint a date and yeah, uh, to, to have that uh, comfort that you're still converted and some of us do grow into it rather than having a kind of flash. Absolutely. Moment. And when I think about even what we'll maybe talk about in a few moments about youth ministry, I think it's testament to the importance of, of parents and mm. um, leading your Christian household uh, as best yeah. you can in the grace of God and uh, all the things I think come into play when I think about my own conversion experience. Mm, okay great we'll get there in a moment um but obviously the christian life is not just about a conversion experience and you've you've alluded to this already and the fact that you kind of how you were brought up and you grew into that um but we continue after our conversion to grow and mature and to be sanctified by christ uh, and i wondered if you could share maybe just have there been key influences in your christian life whether that's people or events or books or conferences or sermon that you heard um just are there some key influences that have been really beneficial to your christian life yeah i think probably one of the, the, the key moments or key seasons of my life that i always kind of pinpoint was leaving school and going to university so i had a great really good group of christian friends at school and most of them are still my closest friends today and uh, whenever i was going to university i suppose at that time i just recall being aware that i was stepping into a very different environment Mm. and that my Christian faith was going to be a lot more stretched. And so I remember going to university, and I think through university and, and through the Lord's hand and my time in university, through the people that I met, more good Christian friends, many from very different theological backgrounds, but friends who were really, really influential just in their passion for the gospel, their love of Christ, their zeal and enthusiasm for evangelism. I remember all that really gripping me when I went to university, um, and I suppose at university as well, probably when I started to read a little bit more as well, and started to read good books. One of which stands out to me is probably John Piper's Don't Waste Your Life. That was one that I okay. read in my first year at university, which uh, I remember just stood out to me as being really influential. As I think it probably was for a lot of people mm. around that time. Obviously, that really famous sermon that he gave at, at the Passion <laughs> Conference, I think, resonates with a lot of people uh, that we've probably heard many, many times. But I remember that book really resonating with me um, as a Christian who maybe maybe felt a little bit comfortable. Um, I just remember that book being a, a, real, a real help. And I think generally at university, it wasn't just reading books. I think over my years at university, I was getting more and more exposed to expositional preaching. And I think actually that through listening to different sermons and, and both in my own church and also online, I think expositional preaching really had an impact on my Christian walk as I started to see mm. the text in a different way. And I started to really understand the Bible and see how it connected to each element of the Bible really connected and told the story of, of Jesus Christ and his uh, redemption of our world and I think expositional preaching then started to have a real real impact on me and was definitely key in terms of my own Christian maturity and growth in those years at, at university 
Um, probably a few other people then along the way were, were influential as well. Um, my pastor at the time, Mark Brown, kind of mentored me and he was mm. someone that I looked up to and was a great help. And so I think those few years, leaving school, starting university, probably I look at as the key formative season um, where I always kind of look back to in terms of, of Christian growth. And obviously since then, we continually did continue to grow and yeah and there are many people here who are playing a part and continue to influence me and in reading good books and everything but that's probably the key the key stage i look back as i think about my, my christian journey yeah it's so important the people that we surround ourselves with and they have such a huge influence on us whether we recognize it or not and it's important to surround ourselves with with good people uh mm. You've mentioned a phrase a couple of times. I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you to explain it. Oh, well. Expositional preaching. So you mentioned <laughs> that a couple of times that that's been um, very influential in your life. What, what exactly do you mean whenever you say expositional preaching, just in case some are listening and wondering, how, how is that different from other <laughs> preaching? What, what What's expositional preaching? Well, it's real pressure to answer this question in front of the director of training at the Irish Baptist <laughs> College. Um, I think for me it was... It was opening up the, the word of God and really preaching what the text was saying and really letting the text set the agenda to okay. the message that was preached. It wasn't just seeing the Bible as a series of nice little stories or, or seeing a text and putting a nice little thought or spin on it, but really looking at the text as the authoritative word of God mm. and unpacking it as to how it was intended to be written um, and really letting the text speak for itself and understanding that the author had an intent as he wrote it, as the Spirit of God did, and really letting the text drive the preaching and um yeah i think that just that that whole approach and philosophy of of preaching of of just letting the text speak for itself and in many ways it's not very flashy it's kind of simple um but it's very very effective and i think it really lets the word of god and the spirit of god do the work and it's not about you know the, the clever thoughts and illustrations that a preacher brings to the text but um just letting the word of god speak and um the power that, that is unleashed through the word of god that uh, i find really pertinent in my own life so yeah, I don't mm. know if that, if that, well, you'd give that answer out of 10, Davey. That, that's helpful. Definitely, de- <laughs> definitely like a seven and a half. A seven um, and a half. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's really helpful. And I'm sure we've all sat listening to sermons and thought, what has this got to do with the passage that the yeah. guy read at the beginning? So to let, let the text set the agenda for mm. the sermon, that's a really helpful way to think of it. Um, and uh, evidence uh, that God's word changes us as it's yeah. read and preached. Absolutely. And that's, that's good. So whenever I introduced you, I said that uh, you're the director of Baptist Youth. Um, so what is Baptist Youth and uh, what exactly, maybe just elaborate a little bit on what your role within Baptist Youth is then and what your responsibilities are. Sure, yeah, Baptist Youth is a department of the Association of Baptist Churches in Ireland. Um, so you alluded to the Association of Baptist Churches in Ireland at the start of the podcast, but it really is a gospel partnership between a number of churches in the island of Ireland, um, both north and south of the border, who share similar convictions um, and really have, have joined together for a gospel partnership, really with the mindset that together we're stronger um, and we've all got the same baptistic convictions. And so really, Baptist Youth is one of the departments of our association, really tries to foster the work that we do together, particularly in the area of youth and children's ministry. So our tagline really is working together, transforming a generation. So that's our goal. We want to work together as a body of churches in our land mm. to transform a generation, particularly of young people and children, and to see them transformed by the, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yeah, so my role um, is youth director. So I've been in that role for the last five and a half years. Um, my first three months, I was shadowing yourself, Davey. And so you got the brunt of all my silly questions. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so I think really the three main areas that, that Baptist Youth we really were, would be working in, or the three areas that could maybe sum up what we do, and um, would be connecting, equipping, and resourcing. So firstly, I suppose connecting. We, we try to connect young people together. And the way that we do that primarily is through the likes of events, through teams, through camps in the summer. And obviously the past year, year and a half, that element of the work has perhaps taken a little bit of a hit. It's been harder to connect in all aspects of life. And that's wrong true as well in the youth department. But we do see the value of connecting young people together so they can see and meet and engage with Christians from all across our land. Um, mm-hmm. it's not just, there's not just young Christians in your area, the, the handful that you might know. Um, but there really are people like you all across the, the land and God is doing things in their hearts as well and he wants us to encourage one another. So connecting is, is really the first aspect of the work. Secondly then, equipping. Um, we seek to equip our churches as best as we can um, in their discipleship of young people and, and children and, and mostly and most strategically really that's I suppose aimed at, at youth leaders and hopefully we want to do better in the future as, as well thinking about parents and um, mm. encouraging them in their role, encouraging them in their work. Um, and for the task that they undertake, it's no small thing and it's it's no easy thing quite often to try and minister to young people. And if someone has young people in their church or is even a parent, they'll, they'll know that all too well, better than mm. better than me. Um, so connecting and equipping and then finally resourcing. So we try to resource the church as best we can, both by trying to point churches, youth leaders, children's workers in the direction of, of good resources that are already out there. Of course, there is an abundance of resources that are out there. I want to try and point them to ones that we think are particularly good or helpful. And then, uh, as well, try to create our own. Um, we've got uh, on social media. We try and produce content quite regularly. Um, and most recently, we've actually created a resource called Route Sixty Six, which is a small group resource, and um, which we'd love to encourage our churches to use. Really, it's aimed at those who are aged kind of sixteen plus, and maybe student age as well, mm-hmm. to use in their small groups. It's eight sessions, which really tries to pick uh, zone in on the big picture of the Bible. So, those are, I suppose, some of the headlines of of what Baptist Youth does, and. Um, working together as a body of churches to try and transform a generation of young people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we mainly do that in those three areas, connecting, equipping, and resourcing. And then I suppose another aspect of the work is the, the Amazing Journey. Um, the Amazing Journey is a schools ministry where um, the Amazing Journey coordinator, Aaron Riddle, partners with local churches to go into local primary schools and to again share the message of the Bible with those local primary schools. And the way he does that is through bringing these big boards and encouraging volunteers of the local church to dress up as Bible characters and to try and interactively tell children the good news message of, of the Bible and to share it with them in a fun and energetic way. And traditionally, they have shared food with them, Bible time food, and got the kids to dress up in the costumes themselves. And as you can imagine, with my description of what the Amazing Journey is, it too has been quite hardly hit with mm. COVID. Um, but that's another aspect of the work which we look forward to getting up and running again in the coming months. Yeah, certainly. So much there, so many resources, uh, so many good things. So I want to encourage you to um, check out uh, Baptist Youth's website, uh, which will point you to all of those things. And uh, if your church has not had the amazing journey before, then they need to get it and mm-hmm. uh, see the looks on the children's faces of these Bible characters appear and retell the story. Um, really want to encourage you uh, to do that. Uh, perhaps at this stage I should kind of explain Matt is on the podcast not simply because you work in the same building as me but also because you participate in the life of the college and one of your roles is is teaching youth ministry and youth and children's ministry or at least overseeing that teaching here in the college for us and uh, we see that as important um, but 
rather than me trying to articulate this, uh, I'm going to let you try to articulate this. Um, how important are young people and children to the church? You know, we we often hear people talking about young people and children being the church of tomorrow, um, but they're here with us today. So, so how important are they, and uh, and why are they important to the church? Yeah, I think young people are extremely important to the church. Um, the the fundamental reason, I suppose, and the obvious reason is that. What is the church? It's a diverse group of believers who have all been, you know, are all in Christ, who are part of the body and the family of God. And as we know, as we read through the New Testament, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, free nor slave, we're all one in Christ Jesus. And so part of the beauty of the diversity of the body of Christ is that it includes people of every generation. And um, there are older people, there are middle-aged people, there are young adults, there are young people, there are children. And so part of the picture of the church, I think, incorporates the fact that we have a diversity, not just of backgrounds, but ages. And I think that really enriches our view of what church is. Mm. But then I think as well, as you look through, particularly as you look through the Bible, I think one of the things that you cannot be struck by is, um, or you can't help but be struck by, is the fact that God continues to use and delights to use so many young people to fulfill his purposes. And this isn't just true of the Old Testament. You see it in the life of, for example, David and Daniel and Joseph. And uh, even as I was thinking about the book of One Kings and doing some things for the, the latest Insight magazine, which you should check out, um, thinking about someone like Josiah, who was eight years old when he took to the throne, and he's said to have done what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Mm. And so he's kind of sandwiched in the middle of this long lineage of kings, of people who were powerful and maybe even humanly speaking impressive, but were utter failures when it came to being faithful mm. to, to Yahweh. So uh, I think the one thing that you cannot help but be struck by as you read through the Bible is God's willingness to use young people and his ability to use young people. And you see that even in the New Testament with the likes of Timothy, where where Paul, of course, exhorts Timothy and exhorts those around Timothy not to look down on him because he's young. And I think we're just reminded time and time again that God wants to use young people and he's able to use young people. And um, as someone, I think, really helpfully said, if we expect God to use young people, um, if we use the Bible as our guide, we won't be disappointed. And so I suppose if anyone has low expectations for young people or tries to marginalize young people or tries to cast them to the side, um, it's not the Bible that does that. It's probably us who's done that or we've maybe been listening to what society says about young people, about youth, more so mm. than what the Bible actually says about them, because it's not really, youth is not really deemed the time just to explore and to, I don't know, find yourself or whatever you want to, however you want to describe it, but it really is um, a time in life where you have great opportunity to use um, your gifts to serve God and to be of great benefit to the kingdom of God. So that's maybe just a couple of thoughts about, about why young people as part of the body of Christ are, are so, so important. As you said, they're not just the church of tomorrow. And they are the leaders of tomorrow and that, that they're going to be our future elders and parents and um, leaders of different ministries. But in a very real sense, even though they're the leaders of t- tomorrow, they are still the church of, of today. Hmm. Yeah, that's really helpful. Lots of lots of thoughts there to, to chew over and mull over and think about. Um, uh, and really helpful to paint that picture of the church of all different ages uh, and, and people. Um, I suppose... Um, we're we're coming to the end now, and um, I'm starting to think about our our, our students, and, and lots will graduate. Um, some of them will go into youth and children's work, but many of them won't. Won't they? They'll enter pastoral ministry. They'll find themselves in the mission field. They'll be involved in evangelistic work. Um, and I suppose some of them will find themselves in those other fields because they'll say, "Well, I don't have gifting in children's work or youth work, or that's not where my passion lies." Mm-hmm. Um, but you've articulated that children and young people are important to the church and so they should be important to christian leaders 
Um, so why should our students, as they find themselves in different spheres of ministry, focus on uh, young people and children? Uh, and maybe just elaborate on that a little bit on, on how some pointers for how a pastor can engage young people and children in his in a sermon or in his ministry in a church or um, in a missionary setting, maybe? Yeah, I think um, maybe a couple more encouragements as to why you should do it. I think young people are very moldable in one sense. That is, you perhaps look at your entire congregation or the church that you're involved in. And probably if you were to do a survey and ask most of them when they came to faith, probably most of them, I would suspect, or certainly a great proportion of them, would say that they came to faith as a young person or as a child. And so I think it just shows that, that they really are formative years as you're trying to ask big questions about the world. And so there, there really are key opportunities, I think, in, in the lives of children and young people to give them big truths and gospel truths. Uh, and that not just the Bible, but experience tells us that, that God will work and he, his, his, his gospel is powerful to transform the lives of young people and it continues to do so as each generation passes. So I think there's that's mm-hmm. exciting. I think something else that's exciting is probably as you look to your congregation and you think about each individual and um, who in the congregation has the broadest sphere of influence. In many senses, it's probably the young people. Um, probably when you get to a certain age, your your sphere of influence becomes a, in one sense a little bit smaller in terms of the number of different mm-hmm. people that you interact with each day. You know, you might every single day see the same kind of 10 people in the office or you maybe have a probably less friends when you get older maybe that's a not fair but um <laughs> you're probably the number of people that you interact with on a daily or weekly basis is, is kind of shrunk whereas if you look at your young people they're rubbing shoulders with hundreds and hundreds of people nearly every day at school they're part of sports teams they're parts of different clubs and teams and environments uh, they're parts of youth ministries and i think when you're younger you're just generally a lot more social and i think as, as you think about that and just merely opportunities for the gospel um, what a sphere of influence young people have. And again, what an opportunity for, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we can equip our young people um, to take the gospel out as they rub shoulders with these hundreds of people every week and every month. Uh, and I think that's that's exciting as well. And probably one of the things that, that makes us shy away from working with young people or addressing young people or thinking about young people is that we just don't feel relevant or we, maybe we don't feel mm. cool enough. But yeah. um, I think a couple of things... That, it's helpful. I think the first one is, as we've already said, is the thing that does the, the saving and, and the powers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not in our relevance. It's not in our ability to make cutting edge illustrations, which young people will be engaged with. And the mm-hmm. thing that has changed people and the thing that will always change people is the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And someone said something recently, uh, I can't remember where I read it, but someone said about, we talk about people, young people leaving the church. And we always complain that young people are leaving the church and young people are leaving the church. But perhaps actually we're not young people aren't leaving the church they were never really a part of the church they were kind Mm -hmm. of put off to the side or maybe weren't really they're part of the youth ministry maybe even but weren't really immersed in the life of the church and that's not necessarily the fault of any individual person but perhaps that's a culture that we've maybe created a little bit that we maybe don't feel the need to engage young people as directly as we could and that's maybe a bit of a byproduct of it and i think as well as you think about your, your relevance, I think the thing that makes us all relevant is the fact that we're all sinners. And in many ways, although it might look a little bit different, young people struggle with the exact same thing that everyone struggles with. It might be packaged slightly different, but when you boil it all down, no matter if you're 5, 15, or 85, um, our sins are probably pretty much the same. Our struggles are, are pretty much the same. Um, they haven't changed. They might just be packaged slightly different. And so in that sense... I think we're always relevant um, and we're always, um, you know, on, on the same playing field. And, and 
and the gospel of grace is, is the thing that we all desperately, desperately need. So I think that should be an encouragement to all of us. Um, and probably even if you're 30 years old, you've 40 years old, sometimes even in your 20s, you might still feel like you're not relevant. Um, <laughs> but thankfully, it, the one thing that unites us all is is our need for the gospel and our need for a saviour. And, and we have that in Jesus Christ. So um, mm. as hard as and difficult as it may seem, I wouldn't let a lack of relevance um, make you feel inadequate or unable to engage with young people. That's great. Uh, well, thank you, Matt, so much for your time today. Um, you've given us lots to think about there, uh, to mull over, uh, given us lots of encouragement too. Um, so uh, I appreciate that. And I want to thank you um, for joining us today. Uh, I want to thank you for listening to the Irish Baptist College podcast. To find out more about the Association of Baptist Churches in Ireland, visit baptistsinireland.org, where you'll find links to all the department websites, including Baptist Youth, and uh, the colleges as well. Can I take this opportunity to highlight the college's latest initiative too, uh, Gospel Guardians? Supporting theological education is one of the most strategic actions one can take in securing the long-term health of the church. If the college is to continue producing pastors, missionaries, evangelists, women workers, youth and children's workers as well, we need your help. You can find more information on becoming a Gospel Guardian in the show notes. Until next time.